Dear Diary, I always knew my journalism honours would be tough, but who knew we'd be doing it under these circumstances? Now that I'm back home, I miss all the times that I would spend alone. The unexpected stress-induced changes to my body are something I could have never expected. I'm so exhausted. My anxiety just refuses to let me sleep in peace. My name is Anna Moros. My name is Tobegile Moyo. My name is Leah Wilson. My name is Zaina Patel. And these are our lockdown, lockdown stories. journalism honours student studying at Wits University. Walking into this degree, my expectation was to learn and acquire the valuable skills needed for the multifaceted world of journalism. I never expected that this would be the year that life as I knew it would change. When COVID-19 hit, the whole world was at a standstill. The heightened uncertainty of not knowing what next week or next month will even look like has left me feeling powerless. The lockdown meant that many parts of the country are at a standstill. Yet, my degree must go on, adapt and adhere to the COVID-19 regulations. As an extrovert, going from a newsroom where there are always people to consult and talk to about anything and everything to being thrown into an isolating home space was a burden in itself. Even just the lack of face-to-face interaction with my lecturers made it harder to learn. Yet, regardless of what was going on around me or how I felt, it seemed like I was never doing enough. The constant critique and criticism of my work deflated my confidence. It made me wonder if I would have received the same feedback from my mentors, if our communication was done face to face, or would it have been harder to absorb the critique in person? I guess I will never know how this year would have been different under different circumstances. Every day I wake up and give myself a pep talk to push through, to work harder, pretending and hoping that it will all pay off in the end. (sighs) To study journalism is a privilege, and one that I never realised until I truly grasped the life and death importance of spreading reliable news during something like a pandemic. One thing I must impress is the extensive list of things I have added to my skill set and all the knowledge I have absorbed while studying journalism. Not only journalism skills, but also life lessons. Just the fact that I am studying a degree like it during a pandemic is something special. It is an experience I will carry with me for the rest of my life. Yet, my degree is not over, but I am so close to the end with just a few months to go. I can almost see the finish line Let's hope I find the drive to reach it.
I don't feel like talking about lockdown anymore because just thinking about it gets me down these days. I feel like every day I spend at home, I squander a potential joyous moment in my 20s. My father finally bought my mother a fly swatter last week. Did I mention that killing flies has become one of my mother's lockdown hobbies? Before she got us water, she used to use a worn-out kitchen apron. I must say, she has become an expert fly assassin. However, it kind of gets annoying when the fly is lingering above your head and a lady comes out of nowhere to swat a fly against the wall behind you. All you can do is pray that she didn't get any fly juice on your head. All people do is expect things from me. My feelings don't actually matter. And I always wonder why I have moments where I actually think that someone might care. Which makes me wonder what the point of this journal even is. Oh wait, I remember. A grade. Whenever I see a message from the Vitzfubuzela WhatsApp group, my heart palpitates. I've been on edge all year. As I'm writing this, the weight of an elephant is on my chest and the feeling of a forceful hand around my neck is stifling the very air that is my life. Today, one of my stories died and it felt like a cross kick to the chest. It reminded me of the Dave Chappelle skit where Dave Chappelle is playing Rick James and Charlie Murphy is playing himself. Rick childishly rubbed his muddy boots into Charlie's new couch. So Charlie cross kicks Rick in the chest and sends him flying into a dressing table. In my case, I was obviously Rick James and mum Liz, Charlie Murphy, cross kicked me into my feelings after delivering a story that just couldn't make the cut. Also, damn, the people in this house can be so annoying sometimes. My dad is so hypocritical. He's the type to tell you how to do things better around the house. Wash the dishes more. There's an empty box of tissues there and no one's getting rid of it. What about you? Why don't you do it instead of telling me how I don't do enough when my mom and I are the only ones who actually keep things neat around here? I love you though. Being with these people during lockdown reminds me why I need space from them. However, I must admit, I can be short-tempered. But when did these people become so needy? Let me tell you about annoying person number two at home. My mother. She cannot stop disturbing my peace. When I lock my bedroom door, it means I would like to be alone. When she attempts to open my bedroom door without knocking, only to find it locked, it shows that she actually doesn't have much respect for me. She probably feels lonely, which is why she always wants my attention these days. I didn't realize she was like this until lockdown. For the past three years, I lived at Res, so I didn't really get much of a chance to see how much she has changed and how much her relationship with my father has changed. 
my dad bought my mom a four pack of fly swatters. Should have seen the smile on her face. It was borderline sadistic. The one that my father bought her last week is already distressed because of excessive fly killing. My mom keeps saying, you guys love to complain about me killing flies, but you enjoy living in a fly-free house. After an emotionally taxing week, I put myself to bed with some much-needed headache tablets. Needless to say, I woke up a new woman. I started my morning with a 30-minute cardio meditation session. It's when I plug the two holes on the sides of my head with earphones and start one of my playlists while spinning around in the garden with my eyes closed. It's bliss. As I stood there spinning in the garden, the air starts to feel tangible around me and somehow starts to synchronize with the music. And that's how I touch the music. As I spin with my eyes closed, all I can see is the back of my eyelids as they turn red and black and red and black. Once I drop to my knees by the wrath of gravity, all I see are phosphenes as I refuse to open my eyes and be pulled back into reality. Students at top universities exist and the vortex of wondering whether their experience is shared. A burden to be carried for willingly signing up to conquer an Ivy League-esque edge. We shouldn't be surprised. After all, the institution's overbearing structure, the great tall steps that mimic classic Grecian archescapes, tower over and consume every graduation photo. Eight thick pillars of grey cement holding up a triangular front stone, a building so large it blends in with the sky. Here, complex individuals are ground down to just being a number and the collective symptoms of their stress. Hey, at least there's a photo op. My journey through a journalism honors degree threatened to steal my greatest form of wealth, my health. It came under attack of internalized stress, so normalized in my mind that my body had to speak louder than any outcry could. The pharmacist printer sounds like an ice pick in front of a megaphone. Two weeks of penicillin and painkillers, a total of 60 tablets, a gum infection that was to be my introduction to weeks of health challenges. That's when the grinding started. The cartilage in my jaw had been worn down from stress clenching while my shoulder muscles slowly twisted. Inflammation is the word. I insisted on driving myself to every doctor's appointment, an attempt to hold on to strength or at least seem strong. I was to face a stiffened finger that was jabbed at my cheek to diagnose the crackling sound of my worn jaw cartilage, grinding in a symphony of pain. The nauseating fluorescent light of doctor's room so bright that it even drowned our sound and the very concept of reality. The decision to direct a wealth more of grace to myself finally came after the tears ran down my cheeks in the reclined dentist chair. My dentist pensively carving holes in two of my molars had to stoically sympathize without breaking focus. The tissue she gently handed me 
and my decision to take it became like the olive branch I needed to extend to myself. Taking it was the first step towards seeing good health as a true act of self-love. There's no amount of excellent health care that will help me escape the institutional bruises. But one doctor's visit at a time, I am choosing myself. Seeking professional help means acknowledging that the studying environment I am in is dysfunctional, that it spawned disorder in my body. My survival instinct to stay quiet and endure was flooded out by my hope for the healthy body that I know my future needs. can't breathe. My heart is beating profusely. It's like a sense of urgency and panic, but I can't physically do anything to make it go away. This is every morning now, like clockwork. My dreams have transformed into horrid nightmares that find joy in waking me up every morning at 4am. This is the built-up anxiety from this virus and its greed in taking everything and everyone you care about, including your sanity. Well, mine at least. It's the fear of losing my mum or my guardians. It's the loss of touch, comfort and love. It's the looming deadlines and inability to get down to work because my mind, body and soul are having their own internal fight. It's being locked up in an endless cycle of mindless survival. It's the creeping in of those self-deprecating thoughts and depression. I dreamt once that there was a sea of what looked like dung beetles. But not your average sized dung beetles. These were five-year-old child-sized dung beetles that somehow found their way into this foreign bedroom that I found myself in. I was sleeping in this strange bed with a blanket over me when all of a sudden the sea of at first seemingly peaceful but abnormally large beetles decided to charge and come crashing towards me like a black wave of anxiety. I lifted up my blankets in an attempt to make a reverse wave, simultaneously trying to get under the blanket to hide, as one usually would to hide from, say, a boogeyman. Why we think a tiny little blanket is going to protect us from the evils of this world, I will never understand. But I guess it gave me that sense of comfort and protection. I did not sleep long enough to see the full outcome of my ridiculous attempt to get rid of that wave of darkness, but I did see its effects within my reality after being woken up by my own scream, lack of breath, 
an abnormally fast heartbeat. This is how my anxiety has found its way into my dreams and has made me afraid to close my eyes because the one place where I thought I could escape from my world and my mind has now been infected like a virus. This is an everyday struggle and I'm just so tired. Hopefully tomorrow will be better. You've been listening to Pandemic-Induced Fatigue, an episode in a four-part series on living and studying during a pandemic on the We Should Be Writing podcast. This podcast is a product of the Honours in Journalism and Media Studies program at Fitz University in Johannesburg. Our show was produced, edited and written by Anna Maros, Tobekile Moyo, Leah Wilson and Zena Patel. Our theme music was composed by Niall Higgins and our graphic design was by Tsepo Tayela. Additional episode music credits and info are available on our website which is at witsvuvuzela.com and for social media we are at witsvuvuzela.com.